Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of India Rising Strategic Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze happenings from around the world and their impact on India. Today's episode will be uh, an overview of India's foreign policy, where we plan to discuss uh, the status of India's foreign policy as it stands today. And for this episode, we have a distinguished guest with us today, uh, Ramaharita Pusadla, who is an author, columnist, who writes regularly on uh, Mind.net on India's foreign policy. In addition, she also writes on India's domestic policies and other social issues. She can be found on Twitter at Harita. Welcome to the episode, Harita. Hi, Kishore and Mohal. Thanks for having me on your show. Welcome, Harita. Yeah. So uh, let's let's begin uh, with Harita. So uh, Harita, uh, when we talk about uh, India's foreign policy, uh, we basically think about our immediate neighborhood and uh, look at how uh, India's foreign policy uh, shapes up our neighborhood and also vice versa, where the neighborhood shapes our uh, foreign policy, which can include uh, countries from the SARC region and also uh, the wider SARC region like Afghanistan, Myanmar, and uh, even even China uh, in that regard. So uh, if you look at uh, India's neighborhood uh, from that perspective, uh, what do you look at as uh, the overarching, uh, uh, overarching dimension of India's foreign policy? and how it is shaping up. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, India ha is being referred to as Indian subcontinent. So this itself underlines like how India is integrately uh, connected with its immediate neighborhood. So the Indian subcontinent summarizes uh, the inclusion of uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India uh, has a deep-rooted historical connections with these countries. So uh, coming to the contemporary times, there has been a lot of um, uh, conundrum in this immediate India's immediate neighborhood. Uh, beginning year, like uh, from February this year, uh, this political crisis which is triggered in, Mal in Maldives has actually been looked at. India is going to uh, look at the whole situation unfolding. And even strategists across the world have eagerly looked towards India to see how India is going to handle this uh, situation. But uh, thankfully, as expected, uh, like uh, while Hawkish strategists have always believed that what happened in Maldivian crisis when emergency was imposed by pres former President Yamin. India, to much of the surprise, has remained quite reticent and then allowed the things to unfold and unfold. Uh, 
before uh, dwelling deep into India's uh, connect with its Im immediate neighborhood, I wish to even emphasize like uh, Prime Minister Modi immediately after taking charge as a prime minister has uh, understood the importance of main of having friendly ties with neighborhood and has uh, rolled out neighborhood first policy. Um, to this end, he made his first visit to Bhutan and then to Nepal and to all other countries barring Maldives. So, uh, though his scheduled visit to Maldives was in two, uh, 2015, uh, uh, he wanted to, uh, barring Maldives, Modi didn't has visited all the neighboring countries owing to the domestic crisis and also de deteriorated relationships with Maldives. But now, like, uh, um, uh, with the, uh, uh, but uh, taking an exception to this, um, it managed quite well its neighboring relations with all other countries, uh, starting with Sri Lanka. In uh, though it is believed that India is uh, India has midwifed a coalition between uh, Sirisena and uh, Vikramasinghe, the coalition has like existed or or carried out its functions for uh, two years without any hitch, and then the crisis again in Sri Lanka, which has uh, started. Uh, after President uh, Sirisena has hosted Vikramasinghe on October 26th, even then, in, uh, the strategies India as how it's going to tackle and uh, taking its own time to respond to the uh, to the situations unfurling in its neighborhood, India maintained strategic patience and. Well, after two days after this uh, announcement by Sirisena, India has reposed faith in the democratic institutions of Sri Lanka, saying that conditions are going faith in democratic institutions and believe that um, the political scenario will be restored pretty much uh, in a uh, pretty much soon. So considering the present situation as of now, India uh, uh, Sri Lankan crisis has come to an uh, rather steadily uh, good uh, level of um, reconciliation after 51 days. And now Vikramasinghe has been inducted as the prime minister and things are pretty much falling into place uh, kishore what are your thoughts on uh, sri lanka yeah i think another way to look at it uh, yes there will be political uncertainty uh, in colombo uh, with all the three major players not being able to see uh, eye to eye but uh, in a way it will actually be a blessing in disguise for uh, india as well simply because uh, uh, Colombo cannot lean towards uh, Beijing more and more in the next uh, two, two and a half years as there will be no uh, political support within the country. And um, in the meanwhile, uh, while all three of them are 
are at least uh, sounding to be uh, friendly uh, with uh, New Delhi, I think it will be a good time for us to repair the relationship uh, to whatever extent possible, uh, keeping in mind that we ourselves are going for our uh, elections early early in 2019. Uh, irrespective of what the what the outcome of our own elections would be, uh, we still have a fair, fairly wide enough chance of one, one and a half years to mend uh, ties with uh, Sri Lanka to the extent possible. So I think political uncertainty within uh, Sri Lanka can be used to our advantage. But I mean, there is no certainty that the two factions will work together. So that could be like, as you know, uh, Rajapaksha tried to sign new deals with the Chinese, which uh, were kind of sort of unconstitutional. So it'll be interesting in the days ahead to see how uh, the turmoil uh, takes a toll in our relationship with Sri Lanka, because we might not even know that whether the power rests with the prime minister or the president going forward. Yeah, so uh, that kind of emphasis is the point I was making. So economically, you cannot take any any hard uh, decisions uh, in the next one, one and a half years, knowing very well that the uh, president or the prime minister would not like it one bit. So uh, Sri Lanka would, would uh, just be about managing to drift in uh, troubled waters, waiting for uh, the term of the parliament to end. And uh, that in itself would be uh, would be uh, one opportunity for India, uh, according to me. Uh, and also that uh, India, unlike uh, in past, it's now even uh, reaching out to Rajapaksa, and is making all uh, making all his all the political overtures to Rajapaksa, so that uh, I mean when uh, as is believed, like uh, his party is uh, uh, having. Uh, the confidence of uh, indigenous uh, Sri Lankans and is going to ramp home victory in the next uh, presidential elections. India is taking care not to uh, meant to keep all the three parties uh, in a very good. So, as so, of now, uh, yeah. uh, India has uh, actually is playing really very well in the sense like it's not taking si uh, sides overtly and uh, making it seem as if it's waiting for the uh, things to evolve or to take shape, mm -hmm. which is like so, a kind of a clear and better strategy. Yeah. So now moving on to our other neighbors, I think you did briefly mention Maldives that we did uh, uh, show restraint in not having a military invasion and uh, tried to work behind the scenes to see that uh, Yamin was defeated. But I think there is still an issue of the, I think the loans were that the China had given Maldives are, were supposed to be 1 billion, but eventually I think they were found to the tune of 3 billion. So, I mean, Prime Minister Modi, during uh, uh, the President uh, Ibu Soli's visit, has promised financial aid. So, it will be uh, interesting to see in the days ahead, like whether India delivers on its promises of aid to Maldives to overcome this uh, crisis of having too much Chinese debt. Yeah. Your uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Harita. Yeah, uh, what I wanted to say was like uh, uh, before Solis' visit to India, his first ever foreign visit, 
prime uh, foreign minister of maldives made a brief visit to india and during that time india has announced a 700 million credit line to maldives mm -hmm. and in addition to that uh, uh, you had a credit swap right there was a credit swap also announced am i correct right yeah 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 and then like uh, um, uh, during uh, solis visit um, modi has announced uh, 1.4 billion dollars uh, of assistance so this mm -hmm. is to say that like uh, while maldives cannot immediately break off its ties from china it's mm -hmm. to assure maldives that india is going to come to its assistance um, and also like uh, india has uh, men quietly uh, got a promise from maldives that uh, uh, it is going to advocate india first uh, policy so mm -hmm. needless to say that like while it cannot completely come out of the strangles of uh, china mm -hmm. india is going to have a better edge considering all the political grueling the indian archipelago has underwent yeah i mean as i had said in the episode that me and kishore did on maldives you can change your president overnight or your political overlords overnight but you can't change your debt overnight so that thing is going to be remaining over the maldivian heads that how to get over uh, resolving this tricky debt issue which they have racked up a quite a bit of it and also this uh, uh, newfound uh, alliance between ibu soli and mohammed nasheed and if that lasts the uh, 5 years because as we seen in sri lanka that uh, so called opposition alliance which india has uh, as you said midwifed whether it didn't last the full 5 terms between sirisena and uh, vikramasinghe so we'll have to monitor maldives for a long time now moving on to uh, nepal that's one of our other neighbors and we know that india has had a hard time with uh, dealing with nepal especially after the 2015 blockade which ramped up anti india sentiments and which led to the current prime minister oli being uh, swept into office uh, in the general election now one of the interesting developments i think uh, which has occurred is uh, that uh, prachanda like the other communist party in the alliance has been Uh, consciously being wooed by new delhi because i believe they have a two and a half and a two and a half year rotating prime minister term so india is probably just looking to wait out oli's term and get prachanda back into office so what are your thoughts uh, first kishore like what are your thoughts on that one then then maybe harita you can chime in later on yeah so uh, with nepal i think uh, i mean just like in sri lanka and just like in uh, maldives we need to wait for a, a real opportunity to actually uh, uh, come back and uh, make a make a meaningful contribution <coughs> and uh, luckily for us in uh, sri lanka and maldives uh, we had uh, democratic institutions uh, like the supreme court and uh, the speaker's chair in uh, sri lanka and also the supreme court in maldives uh, mm -hmm. helping yeah. to restore democracy now when in, uh, in case of nepal uh, although we don't have any constitutional crisis as such uh, but uh, there is no real opportunity uh, uh, which is shaping up where we can see india uh, kind of uh, make up for the lost time and uh, make up for the lost place 
so i think mm-hmm. we just have to bide our time for a while probably wait uh, as you mentioned wait until uh, olish term uh, ends in the rotating uh, uh, arrangement that they have and mm-hmm. uh, once prachanda is back in then probably kind of uh, look for a, a stronger tie between the two nations yeah i think as in india we have seen this two and a half year cm rotator rotating thing is never worked out well so i guess let's see whether the government collapses if oli willingly gives up his seat to prachanda in uh, probably like i was say one and a half year i mean i'm not sure when the, the two and a half years of uh, oli is up and in fact uh, uh, make no mistake nepal is one uh, country which has a lot of political uncertainty governments fall uh, left right and center uh, mm-hmm. almost all the time mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, you yeah. have prime minister uh-huh. you have people who are prime ministers for hardly 7 8 9 months and then they yeah, go yeah. away then uh, they bide their time for a year year and mm-hmm. a half and then they come back again to become the pm so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the nature of the beast in uh, nepal yeah so harita uh, question uh, for you so sorry uh, just uh, want to add a piece of it like uh, mm-hmm. uh for long uh, nepal's grouse towards india has been untimely deliverance but mm-hmm. uh, making up i think with sorry this, to interrupt uh, but i think that is the problem all around the neighborhood that's why this commitment of uh, prime minister modi to uh, maldives has to be uh, uh, kept uh, and make sure there is no uh, slippage in delivery because as the neighbors always complain against india that we have been big in words but short on delivery yeah so yeah that's a uh, so, sorry go ahead so that was a grouse that neighbors always have with india yeah uh, that has been one thing but uh, what i wanted is like uh, giving a massive flip to this kind of a bad reputation india is uh, now all set to complete uh, uh, the first uh, trans uh, india uh, india nepal oil uh, oil pipeline uh in uh, uh, within 3 months like uh, the foundation stone for the same has been laid uh, by prime minister modi just 8 uh, months back and it's all it's almost ge- getting ready for its delivery so what i mean to say is like india is also taking note of all the things which the neighbors have against it and it's trying to uh, expedite the projects as much as it can and uh, another thing about prachanda is like uh, prachanda is, has been a old horse to india mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, uh, it's been like uh, uh, but uh, uh, considering his own uh, personal trauma which he is undergoing right now because he lost his son uh, just uh, in the beginning of this year and mm-hmm. a lot of people are out there to say that uh, prachanda may not is not particularly inclined to claim uh, to have his claims to the prime ministerial position mm-hmm. interesting but um, as much as uh, they were saying that like uh, rather he would be the man who will be behind the scenes pulling all the strings so okay. uh, not essentially after two and a half years you might be seeing a kind of a leadership change in nepal but uh, uh, this is to say that india still have uh, it's like uh, what do you say aspirations in uh, nepal alive through prachanda so two questions for you harita one is uh, has the anti india sentiment which was very high after the 2015 blockade uh, 
died down that it's a kind of neutral or maybe pro india and second question since you were talking about infrastructure there was a uh, recently uh, something in the news that the chinese were wanting to build a railway line right from tibet all the way across nepal right to the india border so what are your thoughts on these two questions yeah uh, coming to this uh, infrastructure thing china has been planning extensively but uh, considering the kind of a backlash which china has been receiving i don't think that project will be expedited in the way it has other projects uh, next and uh, what i also feel is china's commitment towards india uh, towards nepal sorry has been uh in a way that it want to drift nepal away from india or to pull yeah. nepal yes. from the border of india and uh, ra uh, rather strategically it doesn't find it anything more significant than that so considering these equa these equations between uh, uh, china and nepal these projects might be going at a very slower paces just like the projects which uh, uh, which have been facing hurdles like chinese projects which are facing hurdles in uh, southeast asia yeah like uh, in malaysia myanmar in laos cambodia where they are uh -huh. uh, like mired with the protests and things like that similar kind mm -hmm. of a thing, scenario can be expected in nepal and also coming to the first question about uh, uh, the anti india sentiment dying down i don't see that uh, anti india uh, sentiment dying down rather quickly but uh, on the other hand there are kind of a conflicting messages which india is sending to nepal so there is a kind of a uh, like uh, that kind of a constant signaling from india is rather missing so that has been my view and then until unless like uh, this uh, current leadership is going strong and sturdy i don't think anti indian mm -hmm. sentiment is going to come when completely so it's it's is it better than 2015 or is it still the same see uh, considering all the communist parties coming together it's going to be like rather difficult for india to break mm -hmm. this uh, uh leadership mm -hmm. uh, this thing and okay. also india shouldn't expect anything of that sort but mm -hmm. india should make all its attempts to uh, delivery. uh delivery, delivery and of, also yeah, continue its friendly projects. relationship uh, with uh, nepal despite whatever nepal has been doing like in the sense mm -hmm. like it should try to ignore like uh, the things like under bemstek nepal has promised to send its uh, troops to india for uh, joint uh, friendly exercise but uh, mm -hmm. nepal at the 11th hour has pulled that thing and also yeah. like uh, t uh, even after the uh, after yeah there are tensions only government mm -hmm. has uh, failed to even send a foreign secretary uh, foreign minister to india mm -hmm. so all these uh, things would uh, continue to exist i feel yeah i mean there are tensions uh, we just have to work on our delivery that in the minds of the nepalese people like uh, the pro india sentiment is, grows over the years because that will help us uh, generate good opinion so again so now moving to a bit east to bangladesh 
so bangladesh on uh, probably in like 9 days on 30th of december goes to election the incumbent prime minister uh, sheikh hasina has been in power for the last 10 years interestingly the in the last election the opposition led by uh, khalida zia had boycotted the elections now it's always been an interesting dynamic in bangladesh because sheikh hasina has always been pro india i mean due to her family ties and the history behind it we won't go deep into it but whenever khalida zia has been in power india uh, bangladesh this is always taken a nose dive bit uh, and also her association with the radical elements in bangladesh so uh, and then plus add to this we had the rohingya migrants crisis where the migrants flowed into from myanmar to bangladesh which created a tricky situation where india could had to take a very diplomatic position on this so kishor i'll start with you and then uh, harita you can add on uh, our india bangladesh uh, relations yeah i think uh, india bangladesh uh, ties have been a real silver lining for uh, modi's foreign policy Uh, mm-hmm. when we began uh, when when modi's term began <clears throat> uh, uh, we had multiple issues with uh, bangladesh i mean we couldn't even uh, figure out uh, what to do with uh, the tista uh, <laughs> yes. water sharing issue although although uh, mamta banerjee herself was a, a constituent partner of the government in delhi and uh, manmohan singh himself made a high profile uh, visit to dhaka back then so uh, despite all those uh, uh, misgivings and uh, trust uh, issues i think the current government uh, started uh, well by taking up the hardest uh, problem to solve in terms of the land boundary agreement and uh, ensured that uh, it was implemented in a, a time bound fashion so luckily we now have uh, all the enclaves and the double enclaves and the enclaves within enclaves all of them being uh, sorted out so the complex the most complex uh, land boundary ever ever in uh, human history is now a thing of the past uh, between india and bangladesh now having said that it also uh, is helping india when it comes to internal security india can mm-hmm. now uh, really focus on uh, guarding its uh, borders by fencing it so i think that is a win win situation for both india and bangladesh now with that uh, positive uh, coming out i think uh, both uh, sheikh hasina and uh, narendra modi focused on uh, getting uh, the economic ties uh, back on track so you again have a lot of uh, uh, trade investment happening in bangladesh and uh, vice versa where bangladesh is also keen on uh, uh, increasing yeah. its uh, exports to india so i think uh, this is the kind of uh, Uh, effect that we are seeing when it comes to uh, positivity in the overall uh, ties, uh, yeah, and yeah. a lot of credit has to go to Sheikh Hasina in that regard. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of uh, agreement, we are even uh, doing like uh, helping them set up a nuclear power plant through Russian cooperation. Exactly, where where yeah. India will actually help uh, by providing the manpower and the technical assistance. Hmm. Uh, Harita. <laughs> yeah uh, and also to say that like uh, uh, there uh, with elections round there have been rumors that uh, pakistan has been meddling in uh, um, bangladesh elections and <laughs> then here it will be interesting to see the kind of uh, 
Pakistan and uh, Chinese uh, involvement in, Bang uh, in Bangladesh elections. Um, uh, just uh, just a week ago, a, a video conversation has surfaced in where mm -hmm. like uh, the opposition leader had a conversation with the ISI handler of uh, Pakistan. And there was talk about uh, Chinese money. Uh, until uh, till the like uh, uh, reference to the Chinese money, nobody has even expected that China would be also a play, playing a role in uh, Bangladesh elections. So the elections uh, are going to be pretty much uh, like the much watched affairs in the subcontinent. And also considering uh, like uh, uh, while Bangladesh is uh, having close ties with India, uh, and uh, Prime Minister Modi has offered even um, a billion dollar assistance to Bangladesh uh, during his visit. It's to be rec uh, recognized that uh, China is also having huge investments in uh, Bangladesh to the tune of 30, uh, 30 billion dollars. And it's uh, playing a major role in uh, building uh, uh, econo exclusive economic zones. And uh, China is also having 25% of, uh, uh, it has bought 25% of uh, Bangladesh stock market. So mm -hmm. all these things must be considered uh, because like uh, it's not only that uh, Bang Maldives or Sri Lanka, that India is facing the, uh, Chinese larger growing Chinese influence. It's also in Bangladesh that uh, India is going to have a tough time with uh, uh, yeah. China. And also uh, uh, to this end, like uh, while uh, India is making attempts to join hands with uh, Japan in developing uh, uh, ports and uh, mm -hmm. with Russia uh, with regard to the Rupert uh, nuclear uh, reactor, as you mentioned already it's the it's to be like uh, bangladesh uh, considering that india has its uh, largest land border uh, with bangladesh it's going to be of uh, great significance for indian security so yeah i think uh, maintaining... uh, the one thing is like the change of government like the interesting thing is see, if you look at the neighborhood like if you look at nepal pakistan sri lanka uh, even Bhutan, tiny Bhutan, like you had change of governments over the past uh, five years or three years. So it'll be interesting to see if Sheikh Hasina can retain power, as you both mentioned. I think uh, stability is of paramount importance. And uh, the one point about Chinese investment, yeah, it's uh, quite a bit, but they are also cognizant that when they see corruption, so I guess in one of the projects I read that when they found that uh, China was trying to uh, uh, influence or bribe the uh, local officials, they were kicked out of the project. So at least there is better pushback from Bangladesh where they see like uh, excessive Chinese meddling. And also interestingly, see like this year, I think we read that there were opening corridors in, where you could transport goods via the Bay of Bengal through Bangladesh into the Northeast which will help us overcome the chicken snack uh, uh, bottleneck while transporting goods to the northeast. Now, if a uh, government like Khalid Azia, who's like not friendly to India comes, I'm not sure if the, the I believe there's also a waterway route open to the northeast via the Brahmaputra and also the land routes where you could ship go, uh, 
goods up to Chittagong and they would be shipped, uh, transported by to, land to tri- Northeast. Yeah, to, to Tripura. Tripura. Yeah, yeah all, that, all that progress that has been achieved would come under, uh, I would say, would be threatened, like, you know, if a change of government occurs. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But uh, what is like a really uh, a thing of little concern is like uh, growing China-Pakistan nexus in Bangladesh. Because uh, Pakistan already having its close ties with jamaat islam Muslim mm-hmm. militant outfit in mm-hmm. Bangladesh. India mm-hmm. has to closely watch uh, to the changes or uh, uh, yeah. whatever kind of... Uh, ramifications uh, Bangladesh is uh, going yeah. through and also yeah, we all hope that uh, the government Sheikh Hasina stays in power because that's better for India's internal security situation yeah here there is a dilemma for uh, India in the sense like uh, the growing reports of uh, Sheikh Hasina's authoritarianism in uh, Bangladesh mm-hmm. with the uh, journalists being uh, jailed yeah but uh, I mean we have turned a black eye I mean we are turned out a black sorry a blind eye to this because it's in our interest that Sheikh Hasina says so we are not uh, I mean uh, registering protest like with that because it doesn't serve India any good to raise objections on these issues yep exactly yeah so that gives us a perfect uh, segue to talk about China since we were talking about China's role in Bangladesh so uh, China uh, the government uh, the Indian government has had quite a bit of uh, on and off uh, conversations with uh, China. So uh, just to just to bring our uh, listeners up to speed, we had uh, the Doklam issue, we had uh, uh, mm-hmm. President uh, Xi Jinping's visit to Ahmedabad, then India, uh, Indian Prime Minister Modi's visit uh, to China a couple of times, mm-hmm. then uh, India's admission into uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, yeah. and uh, how uh, China continued to stonewall uh, India's efforts to uh, blacklist uh, uh, terror uh, terror groups and uh, terrorists based out of Pakistan. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mohal, I'll uh, start off with you. So, mm-hmm. what do you see as the major stumbling block uh, between the India and uh, China ties as things uh, stand today? I mean, see, China, like maybe a decade ago, saw India as its uh, peer. Now, uh, after the global crisis in 2008, it sees in itself on a different pedestal with uh, on a like a G2 world where US and China are the only superpowers. So it doesn't consider India as a worthy uh, equal. So what this has done is has created complications in the relationship where it would not, since it's in a position of strength, which it perceives it, it doesn't uh, want to... Uh, resolve any issues with india and its influence as you know in the all the neighborhood countries that all of us have been mentioning has been growing i mean it's the proverbial 800 pound dragon in the room where uh, any uh, where india has to set up its set up sorry set up its uh, engagement with its uh, neighbors and focus on delivery where it has been lacking otherwise it will be in a trouble now, for the time being, because of the trade war with US, I mean, in Wuhan, you can say that China was getting, uh, was seeing that the relationship with India, especially after the Doklam incident, was going nowhere. So they called sort of a strategic timeout, and we had the Wuhan uh, uh, 
dialogue where they decided that okay the temperatures had risen way too much so let's call a timeout because it is not working for india i mean it's not that china is going to resolve the border dispute or all the other issues that we have the contentious issues we have with them what needs to be done is we need to have a new movers uh, modus vivendi to resolve like you know how we will maintain peace and tranquility at the border because the peace and tranquility which was probably signed in the late 90s it doesn't work anymore because of so we do have to and i think the government has done a good job of upgrading the roads and the infrastructure leading up to the border that any mm -hmm. chinese uh, misadventures can be fully contained like we did in doklam and we have to be watchful because uh, i mean china with its economy going down i mean already they are saying that for next year chinese growth could be zero even though they fudged the figures on gdp growth when they might show it to be five or six percent but it might be net zero so they might get restless and might try to uh, provoke india into some kind of fight to stoke up nationalism uh, at home uh, yeah uh, just uh, uh, continuing with where uh, mohal has left i just want to reiterate that uh, I, china has been uh, really uh, skeptical about india for quite some time and uh, this adds to our own machinery in the sense like uh, china has resolved all its territorial disputes with all other countries like uh, bhutan and india okay right. e even like uh, just uh, in the last month of uh, in the last in the last week of november india has uh, concluded uh, the 21st round of uh, special representatives uh, meet to resolve the border dispute while the global times has announced that uh, congratulations that uh, both india and uh, uh, china has uh, finally arrived at a resolution to resolve this dispute as it uh, uh, turns out to be there are it's it's like uh, rather the title has been misleading and it appears that uh, china has bowled a googly misled india but nothing much has uh, moved not even an inch has moved from what it has been earlier so this all means to say that like china is just uh, is doing all this for optics rather its intent has been quite different from what it has been saying or doing and yeah, I mean, uh, together nobody should yeah. believe a word what global times says <laughs> <laughs> and also to say that like uh, just yesterday wang yi was in india to say that uh, india and uh, china Uh, enhance its people-to-people uh, -people relationship and work on uh, improving the cultural ties. So uh, this kind of on and off relationship from China is really misleading in the sense, like after Wuhan, there were times like where uh, uh, China has uh, had been really very adamant uh, towards India, like uh, finally nailing down and uh, nailing India's every attempt to. uh to get a membership into nsg and also this Mas masood azhar case and also like uh, uh, refusing to even uh, acknowledge that pakistan has been the mothership of uh, terrorism and uh, despite all its uh, disagreements what i feel that uh, this china's on and off kind of a relationship 
uh, with India is uh, with respect to its uh, um, relation with the international community. Right now, what I'm referring to is like uh, fearing, uh, facing crippling economic uh, 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 tariff trade war from China and also with uh, uh, Western countries raising some kind of uh, concerns towards Chinese initiatives, China is uh, kind of uh, feeling threatened or uh, rather to yeah. say that it's feeling it's getting cornered. So to mm -hmm. overcome uh, to overcome this kind of a situation, I feel it is again making some kind of an overture to India, which uh, rather mm -hmm. has uh, no meaning. It's like uh, uh, what I can feel is it's all about theatrics and optics. But uh, when it yeah. comes to the real issue, there is nothing uh, hardly nothing as smooth. See, cons uh, India has been repeatedly raising the issue about uh, China, China blocking uh, India's access to its uh, pharmaceutical sector or to its service sector, but nothing much has been done to this end. So the trade uh, deficit has been raising its on a rise and then there seems to be nothing much like uh, yeah the trade deficit so. went from like two and a half to five billion dollars so that has been a failure of the current government's policy that it has not been able to contain the trade deficit which has actually doubled uh during its tenure yeah i mean i agree with you that uh due to all the negative press that china has been getting from the the and the blowback from the trade war with us plus uh, China getting cornered due to a uh, negative image in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand. I think he's just trying to uh, uh, make peace with India for the temporary because it has other pressing issues where it needs his attention. And they know that with the domestic elections in India, the India won't take any harsh step. So he's just trying to uh, make sure that the India-US Bonheimi doesn't uh, become very, very close. Uh, in the meanwhile, because that would be a, uh, a bad sign for the Chinese. Chinese. In fact, uh, and, yeah. and also yeah, to uh, say that this uh, unabated uh, transgressions, which have been uh, happening between, uh, across the LAC, also stands to uh, testimonies to the fact that China is not uh, clearly uh, intent in what uh, I I what kind of relations it want to have with uh, India. True. Right. And uh, uh, you uh, one should not be surprised if uh, China, through its uh, mouthpiece, uh, newspapers and websites, would continue to parrot uh, uh, peace and uh, stability with India, but would actually do the contrary on the ground. So, for example, it can continue sending out its uh, submarines to the Indian Ocean region, uh, riling up the Indian, na Indian naval forces and uh, continue with its uh, uh, aggressive uh, transgressions into across the line of actual control as uh, harita mentioned while at the same time uh, through its mouthpieces uh, can actually uh, uh, talk about uh, reducing uh, uh, the trade deficit also by uh, probably in terms of opening up uh, the chinese services sector or uh, the pharma sector or any other sector for that matter which would kind of uh, distract uh, new delhi's uh, attention and uh, would uh, basically uh, beijing would want uh, new delhi to uh, kind of commit more and more uh, and uh, fall more and more into uh, chinese orbit 
So yeah, uh, New Delhi should have to be more that. And I think another issue that uh, uh, somehow has not improved for India when it comes to Beijing uh, New Delhi type is the manner in which uh, the CPEC is uh, shaping up. While uh, uh, analysts in Delhi are kind of waiting for CPEC to unravel economically, uh, China is pumping in uh, more resources to kind of make it into a military uh, military route as well, uh, with uh, presence of the Chinese military guarding guarding the economic corridor, and uh, also uh, to shore up its investment both in Balochistan and elsewhere in Pakistan. So I think uh, that uh, move by China is only worsening the problems for India. But Kishore, see, I disagree slightly over there. So this during this military basis, now technically, yeah, it can be a refuel and resupply base. But I am not sure if this will be useful in times of war because unless they are properly guarded and reinforced in terms of, let's say, we are talking about like for example, Gwadar. Now Gwadar could be reinforced. Let's say they have a Chinese naval base, for example. But in the future, if war broke out, which I really doubt uh, the Chinese would want to do that, India could easily bomb and take out the Gwadar port. So it's still yet to be seen regarding this uh, military basis, whether the host countries would allow. Yeah, they could be arm twisted into giving them refuel, resupply. So they would be excellent uh, outposts in times of peace. But in times of conflict, they would be highly vulnerable to Indian attacks, especially when the Chinese mainland is so far away. Uh, I just want to add a bit to it in the sense like uh, uh, China-Pakistan economic corridor as it is projected is not about uh, economic uh, uh, cooperation, rather it is more about military cooperation. Because like uh, uh, considering the kind of uh, reports which are coming out from US, they are like uh, unequivalent evidences to say that like uh, Gwadar has uh, as uh, mentioned that it's going to have 11 births, um, mere three births are ready as of now and nothing much is being done in terms of constructing or developing the port. Uh, the pa uh, Pakistan military is actively involved in acquiring land in and around the port for developing another naval base. And then there is another installation which is supposed to be Pakistan's space organization, which is quite close to the Gwadar area where, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, China and Pakistan are together building satellites which includes stealth satellites. And then just if you can refer back to the uh, NYT column uh, just yesterday, which has mentioned that uh, China and Pakistan are together building several military uh, military weapons, arms, and equipment together. And then um, uh, the helicopter, uh, currently there is also an agreement that uh, China and Pakistan are going to build helicopters together. So the all the kind of uh, myth of uh, it's like the economic cooperation is just a myth, and under its banner, what is actually happening is a kind of a military cooperation. And uh, don't forget that uh, Pak um, encirclement of India has been the topmost priority of China, 
and then uh, this has been the only anti india agenda has been the only thing which brought uh, china and pakistan to, uh, together and also uh, to add further like uh, china is uh, if you can consider the locations and regions where china of late has been making it in its investments you can keenly understand that it is it has never been echo about economic returns it's all it has always been about uh, uh, strategic planning and also about like uh, it's either uh, getting access through maritime points or uh, like uh, stabilizing itself or extending its tentacles across the globe so we'll be doing great misservice if we still continues to believe that cpec is all about economic cooperation it's anything but economic cooperation that's what i believe and even the reports and also the facts which are uh, coming uh, now are uh, uh, clearly reiterating the same thing and also like uh, you know uh, what one uh, it's uh, in one of the reports it's been cited like uh, around like uh, uh, china is making uh, china and pakistan together are making plans to uh, develop an area around gwadar where uh, 5000 uh, chinese can be accommodated in that region so considering all these kind of developments and kind of uh, tactical understanding between these two countries uh, it's like uh, uh, rather innocuous to believe that it's uh, simply an economic cooperation so and also the, like uh, uh, the uh, strategic uh, location of gadar port to indian waters it's one uh, it's one thing which india uh, cannot ignore and mm-hmm. it's high time yeah. that something yeah. must be uh, mean something must be done and then uh, some strategies must be well in place to see that uh, what is the kind of actual cooperation between these two countries right yes so uh, that that actually uh, kind of emphasizes how uh, india's uh, uh, policy with regards to uh, china is not all hunky dory uh, another thing that we actually uh, kind of uh, didn't talk much about was the the dokla issue uh, or what we call in india as the dokala pass uh, imbroglio that we had uh, last year and uh, there were there were uh, talks about how uh, there is a real possibility of india and china even going to war but uh, again uh, most of us felt that it was a far fetched uh, idea especially since uh, uh, china was busy with uh, the north korean issue being at its uh, vulnerable at its most vulnerable at that point in time now be that as it may uh, india and uh, china had a lot of uh, backroom negotiations also happening and uh, one thing that still has to be kept in mind is uh, what happens when it comes to border disagreements between uh, india and uh, china uh, mohal uh, how do you see all this uh, panning out uh, so, especially when it comes to border tips between the yeah countries? i mean there was lot of the temperatures were certainly raised during the doklam crisis now there wasn't a very threat of war because india was the commanding the heights in the uh, doklam area 
and they wanted to uh, prevent the Chinese from getting a strategic foothold on the Jamperi Ridge, which overlooked like West Bengal. Now, as you see, if you see the history of China, of China, they have been like bullying everybody since the past 30 years. Now, the last war which they truly sort of uh, inflicted a crushing defeat was unfortunately on us in 1962. The, the, the next war after that in the 1979 war against the the Vietnamese, they didn't acquit themselves well, and the Vietnamese did give them a bloody nose after which they withdrew. Uh, so, I mean, there's been no uh, war fighting experience for the Chinese for probably around 30 years, and I think even their generals admit that's the biggest concern. So they won't like just uh, try to open open hostilities. Their uh, modus operandi like is basically to coerce, bully, like it's in the South China Sea, like proclaim like psy like psyops and uh, do propaganda war where they try to threaten and bully someone to uh, leave their position and vacate the area that China wants. So the bigger worry for India is not an open war because see if let's say China attacks and in India has this has defensive posture as well that we can blunt the attacks, they might gain some advantage in the beginning but we can negate the advantage over the Tibetan plateau. So if they don't have a decisive outcome, it's going to project very badly for the Communist Party, which might have a lot of pressure and blowback at home. So unless they have a decisive advantage, they won't start a war with India or for anybody else. Their modus operandi is like slowly change the things on the ground, like Doklam, like increment into Indian held territory here or there or wherever they can get advantage and then establish themselves so well that we cannot dislodge them and throw them out so that's the bigger worry that we need to build up infrastructure roads leading up right up to the border where we have not done a very good job i mean the previous governments for its foolishness has thought that by not building roads we can prevent a chinese invasion because it will be very hard for uh, not neither us nor them to move across that harsh terrain. So we need to build up roads and infrastructure leading right up to the border that any such provocations where they ingress into Indian territory, we can meet them firmly and uh, prevent all their uh, uh, evil intentions right at the border. Yes. Uh, Harita, you have anything to add on to this? Yeah. Uh, uh... Consider uh, this 73-day uh, Doklam standoff has offered India a, a huge advantage in the terms like uh, world has keenly watched how India has resisted the historical threats of uh, China. And uh, it has appreciated like uh, how India didn't yield to the pressures and also the psychopaths of uh, Chinese of uh, China. And then this has uh, given enough boost to India's image as a counterweight to China in the region. And uh, immediately after Doklam, this Asian ASEAN country started looking out to India as a counterweight. And then um, the rest is history, as you can say that, because like uh, after that, all the 10 leaders uh, have accepted India's invitation to be the chief guest for uh, Republic uh, Day celebrations. And then like uh, India and ASEAN have consolidated their friendly ties to a new high. So this I can see as a positive outcome for a Doklam. Valid point. Yeah.
Yeah, I think uh, we will uh, wrap it up here. We've had a very, very good uh, deep insight into uh, how uh, Indian foreign policy uh, influences its neighborhood and also vice versa, Indian neighborhood uh, influences Indian foreign policy. Um, thank you, Harita, for uh, giving your insights. Thank that, you for uh, having me here. Yeah, that, dear listeners, wraps up today's episode. Uh, where we uh, talk about uh, uh, India's neighborhood. But uh, Harita will also be with us for the next episode as well, where uh, we'll talk much more about uh, Indian foreign policy and uh, how uh, the great powers of the world, like the US and uh, Russia, would, act, uh, would actually have a bearing on Indian foreign policy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and uh, uh, let's uh, catch up in the next episode. Until then, if you want to continue hearing about uh, such interesting topics, we do recommend you uh, to subscribe to our channel, India Rising, and also tap on the bell icon to be notified whenever a new episode uh, becomes available. Uh, in the meanwhile, we would also like to hear from you uh, if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like us to cover. But uh, we would want you to remember that these topics uh, should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. So until the next episode, this is uh, Harita, Mohal, and Kishore signing off.